This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how it may look. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yes, I am. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. But I'm surrounded by you This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles This is how This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles This is how My victories in Jesus' name, sing it out. My victories in Jesus' name. 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 This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how it may look. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by Yes, I am. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I believe. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how. Right now, in the midst of my battle, I believe you are here. You see me. Surround me. This is how. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how, Jesus. This is how. This is how. May I not forget? This is how I fight and win. 
last name Let's sing it together This is how I find my battles This is how I find my battles This is how I find my battles This is how This is how I find my battles This is how I find my battles this is how I find my battles. This is how, this is how, this is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how. In Jesus' name.
What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of You have no rival. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is
I want to encourage you to get in the place more where you are alone with him and he could speak to you who he is. I want to encourage you to hear the voice of God more so that you could be alone with him and he could say, this is what I've done for you. This is what I've done on the earth. I want to encourage you to get in the place of hearing God's voice with your own ears hear what you should do what your calling is and this doesn't negate that you are a part of a body it enhances your participation in the body because then when you gather together you have a confirmation oh my god I heard the words of the living God because it is being spoken from somebody else's mouth when I go to life group, not just the teacher at life group, but the person I was fellowshipping at life group spoke the words that God was speaking to me. When I come to the thirst conference and I get a word of prophecy, I recognize they prophesy in part. And I recognize that I come home and get my part of what is spoken. And I recognize that sometimes there's a word spoken in my heart that is so far beyond what I have imagined that I have to go home and say, what did I hear? Because sometimes the word so far when a word is spoken at church, we're like, that's not for me, but we keep it in our pocket. And then God says, yes, daughter. At home, when you hear the voice at home, he says, yes, that was for you. And now I'm leading you along this path. I want to encourage you because that's what Jesus did. When it was spoken during his baptism, where, where he heard the voice of his father, he heard, and the scripture says that the others around him heard, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But he had to hear the voice of his father. Jesus as a man had to hear that voice saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased because right after he got those words he was taken in the wilderness and the words that his father spoke you are my son whom I'm well pleased those very words the devil said if you are the son of God turn these stones into bread because immediately the father spoke and then that word was tested by the devil himself and Jesus said get away from me he recognized man doesn't live by bread alone, he said, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he's saying to you, do you come and hear my words proceeding from my mouth? When you open your Bible, do you open and have it stay there until you get the place where you hear the voice of your father speaking a word for you from the Bible? get to that place? Do you get to the place where you're hungry when he fasted and he saw there's nothing in this world? There's nothing in this world. He humbled himself and he knew it's only by the word of God. I, this passage came because when I was in Hebrews, the 11, the faith chapter, I saw, oh my God, 
they were acting on the voice of God that they heard, the promises that they were given, because see, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the Bible in Hebrews 11. They had the preceding word of God that told them, that told Sarah, you are gonna have a child. And the scriptures in Hebrew 11 said she believed the promise. That means she believed the voice of God that she heard and what wasn't in her came to pass because she believed. Noah, that's hilarious. He's told to build the ark. And that the, this happened not just like in a day of perseverance. It happened in years and years, maybe hundred. I can't remember. I didn't look it up, but I'm talking like a lot of years of building an ark. And so God says, you want, I want you to hear my voice because it's also a very practical thing to take up a hammer and a saw to do the work that you're doing on earth. I want you to hear my voice because I'm not just giving Noah a plan to build. In your workplace, I'm giving you a plan to build. And in your workplace, you're going to hit your thumb with a hammer and it's going to hurt. And you're going to have to know how to take care of yourself. I want you to hear my voice first as a son, first as a daughter. And then I want you to hear my voice to call you. Today, I want you to hear my voice to say, daughter, son, surrender here. Surrender here. I want you to hear my voice as an advocate. The Holy Spirit speaks the word of God as an advocate who is for you. He's not condemning you, saying, you surrender, you filthy thing. That's not the voice of the Father. He's saying, surrender, because my will is good and perfect and pleasing. And he's saying, surrender, because you're my daughter and you're my son and you love me. You love me and you want to honor me. So he says, hear my voice. Hear my voice today. Write down when you are in the place of the word. Write it down because we like to, we as in me, like to forget about those places that we need to surrender. Write it down and return to it and say, Father, what is it? In the morning, at break time. We have in our head that it's just a devotion in the morning and then we're done for the day. In the morning, at break time, in the afternoon, in the afternoon break time, in the car, in the shower, as you do the dishes, as you do your yard work. It's the Father's good pleasure to reveal himself to his sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We stand here and we say we're ready. We stand here and we say only you have the words of life. Lord, we are here and we say that you are the rock. Your words are the rock we want to build our life on. Lord, whatever is sand, wash it away. Lord, even the things that we need to surrender, we see them rather than so great miserable to surrender. We see them for what they are, grains of sand that need to be washed away. And so we ask, Abba Father, thank you for the grace to not only hear your word, but to be a doer of your word, because it's good to live in your ways. In Jesus' name.
Lord. Thank you, Carolyn. Praise the Lord. How are you guys today? Ready to hear the voice of God? You ready? Well, we're going to have some announcements first. You know, the men are up at the retreat in Mount Hermon right now. And um, I am confident that God met them up there. I didn't want to know. I want to wait until they get back. <laughs> I've been praying for them all weekend. But I know that God has met them up there. So welcome. Welcome. What a blessed day it is. It's October 17th. You know how I know that? Because I was born on October 17th. 1965. That makes me 56 years old. And... Um, I say that because I was born on a Sunday. You all know that. I told you that when I told my testimony about how the Lord resurrected me and how I was dead in my mom's womb and they had the church pray. And then those days, um, in those days, fathers weren't allowed in the delivery room. Those were the, you know, those, you remember those days? Well, most of us don't, but most of us who are older, our moms were on their own with a nurse or so in the delivery room. And, uh, the story goes that uh, I was dead in her womb for seven days. Seven days. So when you say, don't tell me he can't do it, when you talk about resurrection power, say, don't you tell me he can't do it. Actually, I was born in Good Samaritan Hospital in San Jose, and I'm on the books as a miracle. As a miracle. And God brought me back to minister in San Jose after I lived in India for a couple years never was in the ministry uh, outside of being a, a daughter. My dad was in the ministry in San Jose, but in my adult life as a minister, never came to San Jose area region, South Bay region to minister until after I was in India and the Lord brought me back and said, now you're home and you're going to do a work here. So I'm going to be here until God's done with the work, but I have a feeling we got a lot to do still. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I'm going to say a little bit more about that. But visitors, you are welcome on this special day. If you are a visitor, feel free to complete a card in the pew in front of you. You can put it in the offering um, when we take the offering in just a few minutes. There are many ways for you to get nurtured. You know, uh, Carolyn just talked about hearing the voice of God. And part of our journey as uh, believers is to learn the discipline of being in his word and in prayer. And, that's, and that takes denying our flesh know what I mean? Because our flesh wants to turn on the TV. Our flesh wants to do something that, come on, y'all. You know, I've been in the faith for 52 years. I know. My flesh still wants to turn on the TV and zone out. Because there's a discipline involved. Well, Pastor David and I have wanted to help you, especially during the time of COVID, but we are going to continue it through because I think it's good to help you in the development of your um, devotional life. And so Pastor David gives out a daily devotional via email. If you want that, you just contact um, T. Lopez at CCMS, CCSMH up there. And also I do a fill to the brim. It's on YouTube. It's about a 10-minute kind of devotional time, prophetic word, word for this season. I am currently talking about Christ in you, hope of glory. Have you listened to that, by the way? Just raise your hand. Okay, we got some. We got a few. But Robin, she's always in my corner up there. There, she loves it. If it's just me and Robin, she loves it and I love it and Jesus loves it. Two or three are gathered in our name. He's with us in the midst, right? Sometimes it is two or three. Anyway, 
There's ways for you to be developed as well as be in your own uh, devotional time. So check those things out. There's other ways. You know, community of faith is very important and more important now than ever. But I think that um, the more that you recognize you're not of this world, the more you will recognize you need the community of faith. Ooh, I'm going to have some silence today. It's okay. It's my birthday. community of faith should not be ignored and um, you know I, I believe that the Lord is really highlighting our need for our brothers and sisters in Christ and one of the ways for you to get involved is through our, our small groups we have all kinds of ways for you to get involved life groups hiking groups uh, working out on Saturday groups. We have all kinds of ways for you to get involved. And so if you're interested in that, please contact our admin at that um, email address. Tonight, Carolyn Orlando, who is up here giving the exhortation, she leads our worship proclamation. It's a time to saturate in the presence of the Lord, 5.30 to 7. It's worship and um, proclamation and prophecy and just whatever, however the Holy Spirit leads. So be here tonight, 5.30. It's good for you. Next week is our annual business meeting. It is right after service. We're voting on some new board members, especially members be there, but everybody is welcome right after the service next week. Friday, November 5th, we have our next Tongues of Fire uh, service. It is a hot time with the Lord. It is where the fire falls, Teen Challenge with us, but I want you to be involved in this as well. It's not just for our online audience, which we generally have a pretty large online audience, as well as Teen Challenge coming. They usually have between 60 and 100 people here, but I want you here. You need to be here. You need to be fired up. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. Amen. So do I, and that's why I'm here. Okay. So that's November 5th, 8 p.m. The reason why we have it late is so that our online audience can be involved in it. We have a harvest party. The children are putting on a harvest party. It's for the whole family Friday, October 29th, 6.30 to 8.30. It's in the gym. Please invite people, invite friends, invite families to be a part of that. Last year was really successful. They do all kinds of really fun things. Friday, October 29th, 6.30 to 8.30. It is a free event. We also have, as you notice, we're getting into our holiday time. Holidays are coming. Can you believe it? We're starting to encroach upon the holidays already. We have our annual Thanksgiving dinner. Last year, we didn't get to do it. This year, we're having it. It's on Wednesday, November 17th at 6.30 p.m. We have we provide turkeys and drink, and then we ask you to sign up to bring a side dish. It is a really great time to just celebrate Thanksgiving together. And so please be a part of that. If you don't normally come on Wednesday night, still, please come. 6.30 p.m. that night. We just do a, about a 10-minute service here, just worship, and then we just give thanks to the Lord for what He has done. We want to be a thankful people. We have our sermons online. Um, you can check that out on our e-newsletter if you don't get it. That shows where you can find out where we get our sermons online. So please make sure you're getting that and looking. And forward, forward uh, the sermons to other people ministry partner of the week the leota family they're in a sensitive country lebanon did you see that lebanon was in the news beirut had a big conflict going on they're actually in tripoli about an hour and a half away 
they are called to church plant and raise up believers in that region please keep this young family in your prayers Lacey is one of my spiritual daughters I developed her since she was about 17 years old now she's preaching the gospel in Lebanon powerful young woman and her husband powerful man of God all right teen challenge now teen challenge is one of my favorite ministries in this region it's a drug rehab place where you know people some of them people go there that are court ordered but it's a place where it's Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered. So not only do they get uh, young people, not just young people, anybody, off of drugs, but they fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I talk about them coming. They participate with our Tongues of Fire. They participate with our Thirst Conference every year. We are very closely um, connected to this ministry now as a result of ministry to them. And we wanted to raise money to buy them three sets of commercial washers and dryers because they have three centers in the San Jose region and they have hundreds of people and children, families, different kinds of dynamics. It was going to cost $10,000. We were at a banquet, their fundraising banquet about a month ago and we said we're going to take that on. I don't think anybody else took on a big, um, a big assignment like this, a big need. And for our size of church, we still, we're still we faith people. I'm all like, you know, the Lord speaks, we're going to do it. We have raised nearly $9,000 of the $10,000 we need. So we need $1,085. You know what? I'd like to see that happen. The rest of that money come in in the next week or two so that we can, for Thanksgiving, give them this money so that they can have their new uh, washers and dryers. Amen. Amen. So if you can give towards that need, please do not give your tithes. Give your offerings towards that need. I believe God wants them to have it, and I believe you're going to be blessed. And I know this house is blessed because we are a generous house. And you know what's interesting? We have, and it's hard to believe that right now with the few that are in here, but we have about 200 people who call this place their home church okay in the region in, the, in our area and for what we do financially for others how we give out of this house to others it is miraculous how much we give I mean people think we have a huge church as a result but you know what God is a God of the miraculous we are David and Goliath kind of church we're the ones that swing hard and the giant comes down and we believe that by faith and this is just one example Amen, Pastor Lynn. Amen, Pastor Lynn. And, 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 think, and just uh, considering amen, Pastor Lynn, Pastor Appreciation Week. Speaking of our week, month, it is Pastor Appreciation Month. This is the month to appreciate your pastors. Not all, not just this month. You should always appreciate your pastors, of course. But we want to honor. Scripture says give honor where honor is due, especially those who teach and preach among you. And so I want to uh, highlight the Pastor's Appreciation Month. This is actually United States-wide, the month that has been chosen to honor pastors. So please pray for your pastors. You can give. You can give a love offering. You can give, you know, baked items. I got had got some really good um, pumpkin scones this week, and I ate them all. I ate them all. All. Me. Only me. Yes. So, um, yeah, they were great. So however you would like to appreciate your pastors is great. It's time to give tithes and offerings. Please come and pray over those. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you.
You are a good God. Lord, we rejoice in the fact that we can give. We give rejoicing. Our giving is worship unto you. And Lord, you, um, you bestow upon those who give. Because when we give, we are like you. When we give, we reflect your character. So Lord, we give with a joyful heart. We give out of our love to you. We give out of our submission to you. And Lord, take these tithes and offerings and bless them for your kingdom and your name. Amen. God bless you as you receive the offering. And worthy is your name, ready to hear the word of the Lord for you today. Woo. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know what? I'm going to talk to you about how people of the kingdom surrender. Surrender is not a very um, popular word. However, that's our place in our lives. We are to surrender to the Lord. We are to submit ourselves to the refiner who is the Holy Spirit. The refiner in our lives. And you know, there's no, we talk about, all oh, being fired up for the Lord or having the fire of God. But there is no fire without a sacrifice. Amen. There's no fire. There's no fire without a sacrifice. And I want to talk to you about how we are people who surrender. And that's the position of our lives. And a lot of times people come to the faith Many times people come to the faith because they have a trouble or a situation that's overwhelming to them. So they come to the faith and give their lives to the Lord because they have tried everything else and everything else doesn't meet the need or answer their problem. So they finally come to the Lord and they surrender to the Lord their life. And then they go and they start to serve the Lord and things get better for them because the Lord is helping them. The Lord is uh, meeting their needs. The presence of the Lord is with them. But over the years, I have found that with many believers, they cool off their surrender and submission to the Lord. So at first, they're all fired up to give their lives to the Lord, to surrender to him. But then they start to cool it off once they get comfortable. Once their needs aren't so great anymore, and they lose interest in that area. They don't want to hear about submission or surrender to the Lord. I know this is going to be quite, this isn't like a popular, hallelujah, when you're going to be prosper, I am blessed. We all like to hear that. But what about surrender? What about submission to the Lord? But see, the fact is this, surrender is what our life with Jesus is all about. Surrendering to him. And I'm going to talk to you about that because what happens with a lot of Christians, they go astray because they stop surrendering to the Lord. They stop submitting and they begin to feed the flesh of their lives and they begin to feed other things in their lives. And they have a foot in, but also a foot out. 
Their appetite for the things of God is dulled because they stopped surrendering to the Lord. They stopped submitting to the Lord. And I'm going to highlight this today because I feel like this is a big problem in the church of Jesus Christ and particularly the Western church because we have so much. We actually have a lot more and a lot of times we're the least content in the world. We have the most things. We have washers and dryers and dishwashers and whatever. I mean, and I li- and listen, I like all those things, and I'm glad to have them. But it's interesting how that doesn't really help us with contentment. We always just have the need for more, to meet a need, to always have a complaint. And the fact is this, it's just because our flesh is what's leading us. It's our flesh that's what's trying to control us versus being in submission to the Lord. When we began this series about people of the kingdom, the first message that I preached was people of the kingdom are giant slayers. And we all like that message because we all want to slay the giants. We all want to be in the position of power. We want to be in the position that we know that we are conquerors, and when anything comes against us, it can come down. We love that, and it is true, but there's a truth that needs to be highlighted about us being giant slayers, and that is this. People who are giant slayers are surrendered to the Lord. If you're going to be a giant slayer, you have to be surrendered. See, it's very counterintuitive for us because actually the world tells us you build your own strength. The world tells us you need to be in control. That word control. You got to be in control of the situation. You got to be the one that is the dominant one here. But the fact is this, in God's ways, in his view regarding us is we surrender. And in in that surrender is where his power is made perfect but the difficulty is in our surrender see the Holy Spirit is the one that makes us a conqueror he's the one that has the power that flows through us you know when God was bringing the people into the promised land and preparing them for battle they had been in the desert You remember the story. Moses now has passed away. Joshua is now coming in to take over the leadership of Israel. And so God brings them right into the first steps into the promised land. And they're going to have their first battle. And their first battle is Jericho. You know what God does right when he's bringing them into the promised land? He has circumcised this new generation, tore away the flesh. Actually, the truth is this. The new generation that was going in to actually take the land had not been circumcised. And circumcision, for that was part of the Abrahamic covenant. That was a part of the covenant of God between man, God and man. That was a sign of the covenant. And so this generation had not been circumcised. The flesh had not been torn away. And according to the Jewish law, that it was supposed to be done on the eighth day. So listen, these were already men that were going to go in and take the land. And now they were going to be circumcised. The te- before they go into battle, they're going to have surgery. How do you like that? How do you like that as preparation for battle? Surgery. Painful surgery. 
But see, the fact is this. It was more important that they were in alignment with God than whether their flesh was strong. A lot of times we cry over things because our flesh is hurting. But the Lord is saying it's more important that you're strong in me or that you're in alignment with me or that you're in submission to me and that you're in surrender to me than whether you're feeling real good about it. We, we love our feelings. We love them. <laughs> we do. Come in. I don't feel like worshiping. Oh, I, and let's sing the song that says we have to feel like worshiping. Oh, and let's read, the, let's read the scripture that says I have to feel like worshiping. Where is that? I've never read it. See, we like our flesh. It feels so good. And God is addressing this before they go into the land. He's saying, you know, I'm tearing away their flesh, and I'm making them in submission to me. And then he addresses Joshua. So he's done this. He's asked Joshua to have all the men circumcised. But now he's going to address Joshua before they go into this battle with Jericho. This great city. This city with these great walls. And he addresses Joshua. Joshua 5, 13 through 15. Joshua, the new leader. Now remember, Joshua is not some sort of wayward man. Actually, in Scripture, it tells us in Exodus chapter 33 that Joshua actually lived in the tent of meeting. He dwelled in the tent of meeting. Joshua didn't leave the tent of meeting, which meant the tabernacle, the holy place, where the cloud dwelled. This was the man that God had assigned to bring the people now into the land that he had promised. So Joshua knew the presence of God because he dwelled there. But God had more for Joshua. Some of you, you think you know it all. Ooh, Pastor Lynn was a little harsh. Okay, back up. Some of you have been in the faith a long time, and you've experienced a lot with God, and you've experienced his presence a lot. And a lot of times that can make us hard-hearted because we think there's nothing new. I remember a couple years ago, and Lord, forgive me, it's my birthday, Lord, so grace on me when I preach. <laughs> I remember a few years ago when I was doing the Thirst Conference, and there was somebody in this church that said, I'm not going. And what they said, been there, done that. <laughs> it's kind of like saying to food, a banquet feast, come and eat today. Been there, done that. I did that a, a year ago. I ate a year ago. Ridiculous. Because there's fresh bread every day for you. There's more every day. There's more of Christ in you. There's more hope of his glory. There's more revelation. There's more power. There's more authority. But it comes through surrender. Because people can get spiritually proud, right? Spiritual pride is one of the biggest detriments to the believer. All of us. Not just, I'm not, all of us. And that's where submission and surrender comes into play. So God is going to Joshua, the man, the young man that was raised up in the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. He lived there. And he's coming to him because now Joshua is in a new position, a new assignment, a new season. I'm going to tell you for every new season, there's a new level of surrender. 
For every season, there's a new level of submission. For every season, there's more flesh that has to go. As God is graduating you, some of you, God, I want to be used by you. I want more of you. I want, I want to see greater power. I want to see your miracles. I want to see, you know what? There's greater levels of submission and surrender. We find this in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is key. This is key. See, Joshua wanted success. I've never met a person that says, Pastor Lynn, pray that I have defeat and failure. No. You always want success. Joshua wanted victory. Few people want defeat, and if they do want defeat, they're kind of sick. They're not very healthy people. And this is revealed in a statement, are you for us or for our enemies? But the response is very interesting because God is changing the dynamics. First, God wants Joshua and he wants Joshua, he wants all of Joshua. Once again, Joshua is in a new season. And God is telling Joshua by using the phrase, But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Some of us, we just read right over that. You know what the Lord is saying? I'm taking control over this. Joshua, you're not the commander. I'm the commander. Parents, grandparents, the Lord is saying, you're not the commander. I'm the commander. I'm the one. You think you're in charge? No, I'm in charge. I'm taking responsibility, the Lord is saying to Joshua, for Israel's military success. I'm taking responsibility for it. But what does Joshua have to do? He has to surrender. And his surrender is revealed by what he does. Now, I want to say this. Your surrender has everything to do with your victory. Your relinquishing the control has everything to do with your victory. (laughs) I think, I think, where are you going with this? I'm still in control when I think like that. Your victory begins with your surrender. See, even in our prayer, in our prayer times, it kind of reveals our level of surrender. See, God wants you to surrender your battles. He's the commander, and he takes responsibility for the success of your battle. And even how we pray reveals whether we're in surrender. 
So Joshua, what he does is he takes off his sandals because taking off one's shoes was a sign of reverence and humility and respect. He takes off his sandals. He removes his footwear because he's reverencing. He's in humility. He's respecting. And so, and you find this even with Moses and his calling. He does the same thing at the burning bush, doesn't he? He takes off his sandals. You know what? How we respond to God. I mean, I know the Lord is, I am a friend of God. I know that. But you know what? God is higher than me and God is greater than me. Our partnership isn't equal. He comes with more than I come to the table with. And there is a sense of awe we should have with our God. Yes, he's our savior. Yes, he loves us. But there's a sense of reverence and awe and humility that we need to have. This is foundational to our surrender. Our surrender to God. I want you to know this. If you don't get anything else out of this, is your victory begins with your surrender. You want victory? You must surrender. Now, Joshua, what he does is he takes off his sandals And he lays before the Lord. See, he's surrendered before God and ready to listen. When we surrender, it causes us to listen. See, the fact is this. In order for Joshua to have victory in this battle for Jericho, he's going to have to listen to how God wants to bring about that victory. Joshua was a highly developed military commander. If you read scripture prior to this, he had been part of other military assignments. This wasn't his first battle. But this battle's significant because this is the land God had promised him. This was the purpose of bringing them out of Egypt. The desert was not the purpose. Bringing them into their land flowing with milk and honey was the purpose. And this time, God has very specific directions for Joshua to follow. And these directions are not uh, typical ways to win a battle. These directions are very um, abnormal. Let's read it. Joshua 6, 1 through 5. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. See, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. See. Now, the Lord wasn't saying physically see because it hadn't happened yet. So what is he saying here? See with eyes of faith. That I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I want you to believe that I have given, delivered Jericho into your hands. You know what? When we are surrendered, we hear God's voice. He gives us direction and he's causing us to see differently. He is, a lot of times we're reacting to the physical realm and then we, we uh, re, redirect our, our methods to fight the battle in reaction to the physical realm. 
That's how we do it in the flesh. We re, let's go recoup and figure this out because that sure didn't work. Rather than saying, I'm going to take what God tells me and I'm going to believe it even when I don't see it. He says to Joshua, see, see. Use your faith in me. Use your obedience to what my plan is. See, I have delivered this great city into your hands. Some of you, the Lord is teaching you to see before you see. The problem with people in the church is that they step out in seeing like God wants them to. But then when they don't see the physical response like they're wanting, they take it back into their hands. They take the control back. They step back into saying, I got I to gotta get a handle on this. See, the Lord is saying, see, I have delivered whatever battle that's big for you into your own hand, into your hands when you're surrendered. Along with its king and its fighting men, march around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, sound a long blast on the trumpets. Have the whole army give a shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up Everyone straight in. This is what happens. For six days, they walk around one time, that city, in silence. In silence. You know how hard it is to keep her mouth shut? Even the most quiet person, given the right battle. It's hard to keep her mouth shut, especially when God says, don't say it. You know you're not supposed to say it. Oh, right now. Come on, people. I know. Oh, right now. And it can't even be anger. I mean, it can be frustration. It can be, I really need to say something. I need to defend myself. Or even speaking discouragement over something. Walking around a city. This ain't going to ever happen. This is crazy. Speaking death over it. Speaking discouragement over it. Speaking uh, negativity over it. Rather than saying, you know what, Lord? You said it. I believe it. I'm going to do it. You said it. I believe it. I'm going to do it. You said it. I believe it. I'm going to do it. I see. I see. I see with eyes of faith. And that happens not in your strength. It happens in your surrender. You have to surrender. And a lot of times we have to surrender this thing. As Pastor David spoke about, the mouth to surrender the mouth because a lot of times when we're speaking other things, what it's doing, it's cultivating a mindset that is not surrendered to God. And so they do what God says. They obey and what ends up happening, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go everyone straight in. And verse 20, this is what happens. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. The deal was sealed in Joshua's surrender. Did you know the victory was when he took off his sandals, and he laid before the Lord, and he listened to God? That's where the victory was. This victory in the physical realm just happened. 
because of the surrender. To be a giant slayer, you have to be surrendered to the Lord. But we do find out later when they didn't surrender, when they didn't obey, in the battle against Ai, when they, when they had sin in the camp, when they didn't do what God told them to do, there was defeat. There was defeat because when we don't surrender, we step out of the power and authority that God has given to us. Listen, when you choose not to surrender to God, you step out your volition, your will, you step out of power and authority. His power and authority. Because his power and authority is delegated to you. See, surrender and submission go hand in hand. In our culture in the West, submission appears to be a bad word. But submission is not a bad word. Submission is a good word. Submission is what Jesus did unto the Father in everything. In everything. He is our example. Jesus is our example. John 6, 38 says this. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Hebrews 5, 7 and 8. I love this scripture because this has to do with our prayers and petitions because I just talked to you about how, how do we even pray. Are we praying in a surrendered state? During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Even in our prayers, submission, an attitude of submission, our actions before the Lord submitted. See, this is really what's very sometimes missed when Jesus came on his mission and the cross, the crucifixion, he crucified his flesh so that, he, so that we could no longer have flesh dominate us, so no longer sin could dominate us. But you know what else Jesus crucified? His will. Jesus, in the trajectory of the cross, where does he go? He goes to Gethsemane. He goes to Gethsemane, and I remember this. Jesus never had sin. He was always in submission to the Father, always. Just as Scripture says, he did not come to do his own will. That's what Scripture, I just read that Scripture. So why was Gethsemane needed? Why was the statement, Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. What's going on here in preparation for the cross? Jesus is saying, you know what? I am taking the will of man to crucifixion so that our will does not trump the will of God, so that we can deny our will for the Father's will. One of the greatest struggles of humankind is our own will. It's fine if God's telling us what we want to hear. We like it. But what if God tells us what we don't want to hear? What we must surrender for victory. How we should submit for victory to happen. Then we start throwing a fit. Oh no, Pastor Lynn, not me. <laughs> okay, just me. 
Okay, just come on, our will gets in the way because God asks us to do things that our flesh doesn't want to do. That's not in my dream plan, God. That's not my dream for my life. Well, guess what? Your dream has to be surrendered to the Lord. Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus in Gethsemane is crucifying the will of man. His will never sinned against God, but our will surely does. Adam and Eve's will surely did. And he brought the will of man to the cross in Gethsemane. He sweated drops of blood. There was so much intense pressure. Why? Because the will of man can be pretty strong. Our will gets in the way. Of our submission. Our will gets in the way of our attitude. Our will gets in the way of our surrender. Our will gets in the way of our praise. Our will gets in the way of our worship. Our will. It's tough. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm bringing the will of man to crucifixion. So that they can also overcome that will. That can get in the way. To surrender to submit. You know, it's interesting. Even after Christ's victory on the cross, even after Christ was crucified, resurrected, and ascended to heaven, he was submitted to his Father. Submission was not just for his incarnation, by the way. He was always in a submitted relationship to his Father. 1 Corinthians 15, 28 says this, When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. There is a sense of, uh, he is never out of surrender because he is one with the Father. He submitted to the things of God. You know, it's interesting. And I like to use this as, even as, Christians, a lot of times people think that we have an automatic will uh, surrender to the Lord as a Christian, but the fact is this, we have to submit our will to the Father. We have to submit our will. And our authority to bind and to lose, we like that scripture where Jesus speaks in Matthew 16 that we can bind and loose what is bound in heaven. We can bind it on earth. What's loosed in heaven, we can loose. And that's true. And it's, it's the keys of the kingdom that Jesus said that he was going to give. But those keys have to do with doing his will, not our will. Too many times Christians think, oh, I'm going to bind that loose. But they're not in submission and they're not in surrender, so they're powerless. Our submission and surrender opens the door to the power that Christ paid for. See, when we're having a problem with submitting to God and surrendering to God, we're not trusting who he is. God is love. We, in our heads, in our minds, in our attitudes, we aren't trusting him because we think we know better. We think that we know what's good for the situation. But you have a God that you serve that is the essence of love. That is who he is. And therefore, we can 
surrender to him in everything, knowing that he is at work doing the best on our behalf, even if it's different than what we think we want. 1 John 4, 16, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God in him. Why are we so afraid of relinquishing control to God? Relinquish the control. I surrender. I surrender. You know, there's levels of surrender. God brings us into new arenas of surrender, to new areas of surrender. I know as a believer now at 56, I've been a believer for 52 years, I know that he brings me to new revelation of surrender. I have to surrender. I didn't know that I wasn't surrendered, but now God says you need to surrender. Just like Joshua, he's bringing him into a new thing, a new level of power. He's all, now you're going to surrender in a new way doesn't stop see scripture says in the new testament that we are living sacrifices actually in matthew 16 24 i just talked to you about how jesus said i will build my church the gates of hell shall not prevail against it i'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom and you're going to bind and you're going to lose he says that but you know what else is part of that chapter if you want to get the whole story and a part of that chapter it says in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is right after Peter tells Jesus, no, don't go to the cross. And that's when Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. The cross is necessary. Why did Peter, why was Peter so upset about the cross? You know why? Because the cross was about shame. The cross was a shameful thing. He didn't want Jesus to go do a shameful thing. And you know what? When we're picking up our cross, see, the world does not want you to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. It's very countercultural. It's very counterintuitive to our flesh to pick up the cross. And actually the cross, when we're actually doing it, can be shameful in the world's view. Not in our view. It was what did Jesus do? He scorned the shame of the cross. He scorned the shame of the cross. But Peter's reacting to the cross because he says, I don't like the cross. Peter knew what the cross was about. The, the cross was for people who were villains and thieves and terrible people. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to the cross. And Peter is saying, no, you're not going to do that, Jesus. Because Peter didn't like the cross. And Jesus said, guess what, Peter? Not only am I going to go to the cross, but now you're going to pick up your cross. See, we like that Jesus did everything on the cross for us. But now we pick up our cross. That's not a popular message. It's not going to fill a church. You know why? Because that means I have to change. That means I have to crucify my flesh. That means I have to be different than the world. We want to reject the cross. Maybe not his cross. No, not his cross. Our cross. I like the fact that he did all that for me. I like it. 
Whoo, thank you. And you know what? You should. It's beautiful. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to be good enough for it. But now in response to that, we also are living sacrifices. Now listen. Why? Why are we a living sacrifice? Because what Jesus paid for was to crucify and destroy the bondage, the sin that led us and leads us to death. The flesh that leads us to death. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. I am now a new man. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So when those old things start creeping up, when those old attitudes start creeping up, when that old sin tries to come in and ensnare me, when that old thought life tries to come in and capture my mind, I have been crucified. I crucify that. I am a living sacrifice. I no longer am that. We don't go back to that. And how do we not go back to that? We are living sacrifices too many believers they receive their salvation start walking the journey but stop being a living sacrifice and pretty soon they're ensnared with the very thing that Jesus paid for on the cross we are living sacrifices we are now dead to sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. We now, long, sin has no rule over us. Sin has no, there is no sin that's greater than the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Do you hear me? There is no sin that's greater than the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. I am sick and tired of hearing the testimony of how sin is greater. Sin is not greater. We just have to be living sacrifices. We've got to lay it down. We do no longer submit to the desires of the flesh, but we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit. No, we can't do it on our own. We could never have done it on our own. That's why Jesus came. But he came to give you power. You are now dead to those things. You are dead to those bondages. You are dead to those addictions. You are dead to those things. And now you have been made alive with Christ to live victoriously. You are a living sacrifice. Let me read Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I say, walk by the Spirit. The flesh does not need to dominate you. Sin does not need to dominate you. He has given to you the Holy Spirit. For the flesh desires what is in contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is in contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. We are bought with a Christ. Now we are living sacrifices. Listen, you're free from sin. You are free from having to try to be an overcomer in your own self and in your strength. You are free from that. When we try to do it in our own strength, we're not surrendered. 
Do you hear me? When we try to live out a righteous life in our own strength, we are not surrendered. And you will fail. You will fail eventually. You may do good for a while. It's like one of those really restricted diets. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't eat that. I don't eat that. I don't eat that. I don't eat that. I'm thinking, what do you eat? I don't know what you're going to eat. You're going to be really sad most of your life. But with Christ... We don't do it in ourselves. He has given to us this incredible power. Scripture says the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. What kind of power is that? That's the power of life. That's the power of life. Sin always produces death. That's one thing that we need to remember about sin. You know what? Christians, some Christians play around with sin, and it's, and it's fun for a while. Why? Because it's feeding that flesh. Oh, I'm in the in crowd now. Oh, I'm, I'm moving and shaking with the in crowd and the bump, 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 bump in crowd around here. Yeah, and then, and then, given enough time, where does it end? In death and destruction it always does tick 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 I'm just waiting for it to happen because it always does but we now have the life in us the resurrection life that says you know what that stuff doesn't appeal to me and when it starts to appeal to me you know what I need to crucify that why is it appealing to me Lynn Willis why is that appealing to me I need to crucify the flesh that's causing that to be attractive to me because I'm a new creation come on and we have to live life of surrender and obedience and submission to the Holy Spirit because Jesus paid that the spirit man now dictates to the flesh man. Do you say all flesh is wrong? No. No. Not all flesh is wrong, but all flesh needs to be submitted to the spirit man. Flesh doesn't rule you. Flesh doesn't lead you. Flesh doesn't dominate you. Spirit man says, flesh, this is what you do. This is where you go. This is how you think. To apply what Jesus did on the cross for us. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And He is our Lord. And we, a lot of people embrace Savior. But Lordship, Lordship is about submission. Lordship is about surrender. And Lordship is about obedience. He is our Lord. And I'm going to tell you, that's where the power really starts to be manifested in your life. When He's your Lord. When he's your Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know the word for worship? In Scripture means to prostrate oneself, to lay before. Let's go back to Joshua. This is your true and proper worship, living sacrifice. I take off my sandals. I'm reverent before you. I lay my life down. Same thing, same concept. To be a living sacrifice is not a powerless place. It's when the power of God fills you. Laying before God, the true and proper worship. 
Do not conform the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have to lay our lives down for him. That's how we're transformed, you know. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we, and we say that, and it's right. But what happens before that? I'm a living sacrifice. The method of transformation is I'm a living sacrifice. I want to be transformed to be like Jesus. The method is I'm going to lay myself out before the Lord. Whatever you got it, Lord. Whatever you ask, you got it. You got it, Lord. Whatever you want, you've got it. Living sacrifice. Then, then when you have that stance, you are not conformed to the pattern of the world. Remember, remember what I talked about. The cross was shameful because the world said so. The world is going to tell you, you live for yourself. You be all you can be. Don't you tell anybody. Nobody tread on me. Nobody tread on me. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm my own self-made man. Whatever you want to say, because the cross is shameful. It's not a popular message to give it all to Jesus. It's not a popular message, not even to our own flesh is it a popular message. And I'm going to tell you, the philosophies of this world are cultivating the opposite. They're cultivating your pride, whatever else they're trying, your own strength, your own freedom to do whatever. But we just read a scripture that said your freedom was not purchased for you to do whatever. Your freedom was purchased so that you can be his vessel, so that you can live for Christ, so that you are, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's why the freedom was purchased. This is the message of the gospel. This is a message of discipleship. It's not a popular message. It's not a popular message to lay down, to surrender, to submit to Jesus. Not when the philosophies and the thinking of the world is biting at you to say, align yourself with me. Align yourself. Agree with what I say. Hey, I'm going to, the world's philosophies is going to pet your flesh. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Your flesh is good. Well, there's parts that are, but there's a lot of parts that aren't. And you know what this scripture says? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform. How is it I am not conformed to the pattern of this world? By being a living sacrifice. You know, I feel like this season of the church in this last year and a half has been a shaking. I've told you that. I know it. I know it in my spirit. Shaking you. Shaking the church. And what is it shaking it for? Is because it's saying, you know what? The true gospel of Jesus Christ is coming forth. 
the true gospel, and that is lordship and discipleship. You know what? The fact is this. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Disciples are the ones who embrace the lordship of Jesus Christ, the submission unto him, the surrender unto him, the obedience before him. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. See, the fact is this. One of the one of the red flags of when we're conforming to the pattern of this world, listen, one of the red flags of when we as believers are conforming to the pattern of this world is when we are waging war like the world. When I see and hear and read Christians waging war, I'm just preaching the gospel here, people. I'm just preaching what the word says. It's not a popular thing. It doesn't get a lot of YouTube see, looks at. It doesn't make big, for big rallies out in the world. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you the gospel here. When we start waging war like the world, that's a red flag. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I am a living sacrifice. That thought, that way, that philosophy, I bring it under Christ Jesus. Then the power of the church arises. Because we are living sacrifices, dead to the old ways, but alive to Christ. Walking in the authority and power that Christ gave to us to bind and to loose. We beware of stepping outside of the power and authority by being willful in ourselves, by listening to fleshliness, that listening to the philosophies of the world that, that pet our flesh. But rather we say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. You know, many times I have prayed, Lord, bind me to the cross of my flesh and crucify it because I want to crawl off that altar right now. I want to take it into my own hands. I want to fight it the way I want to fight it. So, Lord, I beg you, keep me on the altar as a living sacrifice. Holy Spirit, you're the refiner. You say, well, Pastor Lynn, you know, God's called you to do that more than me. Nope. I don't think in Romans chapter 12 it said, now the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists and the apostles and the prophets, they're the ones that are the living sacrifices. The rest of you, just take the goods and go. That's not how it works. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Pastor Lynn, you know how hard it is to get here on Sunday? 
I mean, really, it's hard to get up. I get up all or early all week long. Living sacrifice. Pastor Lynn, it's hard for me to keep my mouth shut. You, you don't know the kind of people that are at work with me. You know what? And sometimes, you know, I just want to be part of the guys. You know, and they talk a certain way. And, and if I don't, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to see that I'm different. Living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable. To you. Pastor Lynn, it's so hard for me to give my tithes and offerings to the Lord. You don't know how tight we are. You don't know how tight we are, Pastor Lynn. You know, you just don't know. If I gave that, we'd probably have to eat peanut butter and jelly. Probably not even jelly. Jelly's expensive. Living sacrifice. Holy. Pastor Lynn, you do not get my kids. You don't get them. You don't get them. With my kids, no, that's not going to work. Living sacrifice. Don't you know that in the laying down, is where you pick up your victory. In the surrender is where the victory is. The Lord says, I have come. The commander of the Lord's army has come. Give it to me. Give this to me. Give your battle to me. Give your flesh those things that hold you back to me. I have one thing for you and only one. Victory. I surrender, Lord. I surrender. I want you to stand with me. I want you right now. Is there's an attitude if there's a battle, maybe a situation, if there's something that you struggle with, maybe in your flesh that you just really struggle with, it's like heart, you feeling like, you know what, I feel like it dominates me rather than I dominate it. Surrender to the Lord. Surrender it to the Lord. Surrender to the Lord. You know what? You are no longer conformed to the pattern of this world. Some of us, we're still trying to fit in. The community of faith is going to become more important as there's a line drawn between those who are followers of Christ and those who are like, eh. Because you know what? We have to support one another in being living sacrifices. I offer myself, Lord, to you. Come on, this is between you and him. In 1985, I was in college. And I wanted to go and transfer from the college I was in to, to do a different college program because I wanted to be a lawyer. I still have kind of an interest in law, which has helped helped us at times. But I wanted to be a lawyer. 
So I was getting ready to transfer because I didn't know really what God had for me, but this is what I wanted. And so one day, it was in the spring of 1985, a young woman from Seoul, Korea, by the name of Suan, came up to me and said, come to my room. I have something to tell you. I thought this was quite strange. Although she had lived across the hall from me, I hadn't really been socializing with her. But I went to that room. This young woman who was from Korea, South Korea, Paul Young Cho's church, a very large Christian church that was having a great revival. She said to me, the Lord wants me to tell you something. And she began to describe to me the call of God upon my life. That God was calling me and everything that you see today with women of the world and preaching and pastoring and all the things you see today this many years later was a result of me laying down my life. No, I'm just saying this because I'm going to tell you something about that. Because it wasn't easy. Because remember, I had no desire to do that. I wanted to not be in ministry because if you know my story, my dad was a pastor. Poor pastor at that. And I didn't want anything to do with being in church ministry. Nothing. Done that. Been there. Done that. So I had no rose-colored glasses when it came to the ministry because I knew the underbelly of the ministry. So when that message came to me, I want you to understand when I submitted myself to the call, it was not my will, but your will be done. And I tell you that because that wasn't the only time I've had to say that to the Lord. But I tell you that story because the Lord says to you in some of your situations, your response to him right now needs to be, not my will, but your will be done. He's the commander of your battle. He has come. But I'm also going to say every time I've gone into the new level of surrender it's been worth it. Worth it. Always worth it. Because the power of God rests on me in a greater way. And in a greater way. And in a greater way. And the power of God is resting on you in a greater way. In a greater greater way as you surrender. As you submit to the Lord. What is it that you need to give to Him? What is it that you need to give to Him? What is it? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now his power lives in you. 
You are a new creation. You are not like the world. You are not like your old man. You are not like your old self. You don't function that way. You don't think that way. You don't live that way. You don't do the thing, same things. You are new. Holy Spirit. I feel like the Holy Spirit is really here. Holy Spirit. You ready to do His will? Lord, I'm ready to do Your will. Lord, we're ready to do Your will. I choose to be thank you for your word and Lord may this marinate in us as we go out our out of this place into our life this is our life with you surrender submission obedience and how how you empower us through that as we submit to you you are made alive in us in greater ways it is our strength and power the method of that being discovered is in our surrender to you lord your strength and power made perfect in us lord we thank you father for this word lord we thank you lord because you are a god of love and we can trust you we can trust you in every situation we can trust you We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great day.